Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable knowing one's own band, Helsink. And with me all the way from the land of the Red Dragon is the star of TV and the Wall Street Journal. He is none other than the most honorable Stephen Parsons. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, outstanding. Good. Standing out in the field. Yeah, it? no, it's raining and icy and no. Ooh, nasty. It was like that uh, at the weekend when uh, we were away filming. Yeah, very good. Which, which you can't talk about, so why'd you bring it up? I, I, I you, you can talk a little bit. We were in Liverpool. We filmed a, an episode of a new upcoming series that's coming to the Travel Channel. Um, or the History Channel, one of them, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, on the subject of time slips. So myself and really? Edward Smith spent, uh, spent sun- a very snowy, very cold, very wet Sunday um, up in Liverpool filming in and around the city centre with a leading Hollywood uh, st- uh, movie star. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, that's just special. Well, we thought so. Yeah. Anyway. So, all right. So, anyways, uh, we want to uh, tell you to keep sending in your suggestions on how to make, how, what you want to hear on the show, whether it's more guests, more paranormal right. news segment, more mysterious world pick, uh, segment, uh, uh, whatever. Talk about equipment, talk about whatever. Just let yeah, us and know. And to the listeners that keep saying, uh, change the hosts, that ain't happening. Uh, I didn't get any of those. I'm sorry. Oh, I've had hundreds. They're all complaining I, about you. I don't doubt that they must be yeah. complaining about you. Uh, no, no, anyway, no, no. I'm, I'm not the American. Yeah, anyways. They want, they want the one that's speaking proper English. Is that what it is? Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, keep them coming in. Uh, we have uh, received a few of them, and uh, yeah, we're taking them into consideration. And remember, we will have a drawing, and somebody will win a book. A sign book, I guess. So there you go. All good. All right, so we're right on to what we're talking about today, which is, and you'll listen to uh, Ghost Chronicles International right here on TojiNet and Pararex, if it's up. Uh, anyways. Yeah. It's up. Okay. So anyways, we're going to start off Paranormal News. And I thought it was so funny because we sent stories to each other and we both sent each other the same story. We did. I know. I, I, I didn't even notice it until I posted it. Then I said, oh, he already posted it. All right. So that sounds like a good place to start. So do you want to start with that one? Uh, no, go on. I'll let you start. I'll let uh, you have seniority. No, no. Go for it. We'll no, talk. I'll let you. no, I'll let you. No, because it comes from I insist. Yeah, fine. Whatever. All right. So here in the news, I'm not going to talk about that one then. Uh, here in the news... I want to talk about something uh, 
that's kind of sad, actually. And, and that is that the holy Ghostbuster has died. I like the guy from North Wales. While Pope Francis is technically the highest-ranking exorcist in the Catholic Church, the title of the Holy Ghostbuster belongs to the Reverend Joe Owen Roberts, the father vicar of... Oh, yeah, freaking Wales. <laughs> You've and, done it again. And a Bangor Cathedral, a minor canon, who passed away this week at the right old age of 99. Those names should be giving you a hint that the Reverend Roberts was a priest for the Church of Wales. That's for the I'm sure. And uh, that nickname is a clue that uh, he did more for homilies and he did more than homilies and baptized babies, which means the Holy Ghost Hunter. Uh, so anyways, he wrote a book, actually, which I did not know about and I'm going to get in 1996. I, ha I, I have it on my shelf. It's called the Holy Ghostbuster. Holy Ghostbuster. Uh, a parson's ooh, names you in it. Wow, you are famous. A parson's encounters with the paranormal. So he must have talked to you, right? A different parson. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. A parson. You'll notice there's an apostrophe. No, between I didn't know. Yeah, we don't say. It describes Medicine's experiences as director of the social work for the Diocese of Bangor in Northwest Wales. You have Bangor in Northwest Wales. We have Bangor in Maine. That's interesting. And as a parish priest for 45 years, in those capacities, he was often called upon to comfort parishioners who were troubled by what they believed was a ghost or a demon. Ooh. Those experiences uh, eventually led the Reverend Roberts being designated by the Church of Wales as a special uh, with its special responsibility of ministry dealing with paranormal issues. In that capacity, he appeared on the BBC TV and S4C, whatever the hell that is. Paranormal it's a Welsh language television program. Uh, paranormal shows, and it was a guest of David, Sir, oh, Sir David Frost's program uh, investigating the paranormal. So after the Holy Ghost, Ghostbuster was published, he appeared in in uh, 1998, on the Christmas morning on the uh, CNN, the Reverend uh, Robert's stories often include Welsh history and ghost stories outside of the diocese. All right, so there's quite a bit. I don't want to go on into what this guy did, but uh, I, I was, uh, you know, I was quite, quite impressed that he was right down your neck of the woods. Yep, um, a little bit north of us, but yep. Uh, in fact, um, I was only up in Bangor um, last summer, and I'll be going back up there this summer. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's a place I know well. Uh, it's just, uh, for those who don't know where it is, if you look at uh, a map of the United Kingdom, look at Wales, you'll see a great big island uh, just off the northwest uh, Welsh coast called Anglesey. Called Anglesey. Yeah. And uh, Bangor is on the coast the mainland coast directly opposite. Oh, that's amazing. So, but Anglesey, that, his whole parish would have, or diocese would have included um, you know, that sort of big chunk of northwest Wales. So, I, did, uh, I didn't realize there was so much paranormal activity around in Wales. Wales has got a long, long history of paranormal activity because it's a Celtic seaboard, uh, it's a Celtic nation, um, and the Celtic nations of um, Europe, so Scotland, Ireland, Wales, um, the northwest of France, right down to the uh, the uh, area of Spain, 
um, have a, a sort of long shared history wrapped around a lot of folklore, a lot of mythology, a lot of oral storytelling. Many, many of the stories involve the, um, the paranormal, the occult, um, mm-hmm. mis- mysteries and folklore. Um, you know, we have lots of fairies and devils and demons and little people and sea monsters and mermaids. It's a very rich part of, of um, Europe, the, the Atlantic seaboard. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So do you ever meet this guy? No, I didn't. No, I don't believe I did. I have met the um, head of the head deliverance minister, as he's known. Um, he was a priest from Yorkshire. Um, and he was the Church of England's appointed deliverance minister, whereas uh, the chap we've just been talking about was Church of Wales. Right. So, there you go. Anyways, sad news. Yep. He's, out there, he's out there fighting ghosts and the other, demons on the other side. So he's, batting for the, he's batting for us on the other side. Yeah, there you go. All right, so what do you got, my friend? Oh, well, where do we begin? Um, actually, I was going to start with a follow-up uh, to what you said earlier, um, which, was the, earlier. which was the one we talked about last night on the telephone, which was the news about dancing on ice. Uh, uh, that's my end, so you can't I know, it. but I needed you to talk about it to give me the lead into the first one I was going to do. But however... Well. I was, let's, I'll, I'll come back to that one. So there's also a bit, there's also a bit of a rage going on, um, both on social media that's hit the news this week about what do we call ourselves? Um, what? yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes and goes on Facebook periodically. Uh, give me a whether, break. Are you a paranormal investigator or are you a ghost hunter or are you something else? And it seems well, it seems that more and more um, people are unhappy to be called ghost hunters, and um, they prefer they prefer being called paranormal investigators. And sounds more legit. There's there's a kind of elitism going on now. Paranormal investigators think that ghost hunters are nothing more than casual hobbyists who don't take the paranormal seriously, and are often accused of bringing mockery and negative perception to the fields. These paranormal investigators also think that ghost hunters take a superficial view with preconceived notions whereas paranormal investigators say they take the whole subject much more seriously and set out to find reason and explanation that's why they're all upset because they can't call ghost hunters well it's it's what in isn't it so what are you are you a ghost hunter a ghost buster a paranormal investigator I'm a ghost buster ghost busters Okay. Well, okay. you know, you know, I've always said I'm just a ghost hunter because it's a term that. Well, you, you know, can't be now because that's derogatory. You have to be I don't care. I really don't care because that. What that, you really are is a parapsychologist. You just won't admit it. Admit it. Admit it. I'm a ghost hunter. I'm yeah, proud right. to be a ghost hunter, and I, you know, I don't see what it what difference it makes what you call yourself. Exactly. I mean, I, I use the word, I use the expression ghost hunter because that's what the people, you know, I grew up reading, Harry Price, Elliot O'Donnell, Peter Underwood, they were all quite content to be called ghost hunters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you look in the dictionary, to hunt simply means to yeah, search, picture, right? they I do, to search determinately for someone or something. And that's what you do. I mean, we're not hunting them with guns, we're not Zach Bacon's. Um, yeah, we don't work in that armor. Hey, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are many reports that, that ghosts were actually shot at. 
throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, one or two of the living have been ended up being shot. Yeah, um, with them. <laughs> well, there was one notable notable case I think took place in London, um, where a after a, a number of, sort of uh, people had reported an apparition roaming the streets of si- of the city. A group of vigilante, armed vigilantes went out. This was in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And uh, an unfortunate baker returning home uh, in the wee small hours of the night, covered from head to foot in flour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how unfortunate. Seriously? Seriously. Uh, was shot at, and uh, I, I don't think he was mortally uh, wounded. Oh, that's good. Survived, but... But they did indeed, um, and there's been others who've taken pot shots at ghosts. Oh yeah, there's many tales actually. Yeah, if, yeah. If you but you know, one or two of them have actually, you know, groups of vigilantes have uh, have walked several city streets and taken pot shots, or set about the spectre or spook with clubs and sticks. Yeah. So. Um, Didn't Harry Price blow one up? Uh, Harry Price did the, his very first encounter when he was a 15-year-old youth. Uh, took place in a, back in the rectory again, uh, a haunted uh, rectory in the parish of Shropshire. And uh, himself and his schoolmate heard that this building was haunted. Um, Actually, the building, the house still exists to this day. And um, they decided that they would capture the spook on film. So they went back the following night, and young Harry and his friend armed themselves with a camera and a homemade flash uh, which they'd rigged up using flash powder, which was a, a, an old-fashioned way of doing it, um, some bell wire and a battery, and they set up the camera in the hallway, um, waiting for the phantom to appear. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't quite get the big... They, they, they didn't know um, how much flash powder to use, so they... Harry poured, they kind of winged it, huh? Yeah, ca- Harry poured it all into uh, t- an empty tobacco tin. Oh, and the, the two boys retreated into the dining room and awaited the, the um, to see what would happen. And was it Prince appo- Albert in the camp? At the appointed hour, they heard the footsteps descending the stairs, as they had the night bef- the night previously. The footsteps paused and then we started to uh, ascend the stairs, at which point Harry pressed the button to fire the camera and activate the flash. In his own... Uh, words he described an almighty flash that they that lit up the room they were in uh, even though there was the door was closed and the light had come through a chink under the under the mm-hmm. doorway they said that uh, he describes the spook gave a distinct stumble and then all was silent when the smoke cleared uh, Harry went out into the hallway to uh, see what had happened of the spook there was no sign and also, interestingly, of the flash, uh, the tobacco tin, there was no sign. Yeah. Was and the camera still there? The camera was still there. Um, and he said in his memoirs that he believed he may have blown the spook to pieces. There you go. So, there you go. So, moving right along, let's go into something a little bit newer. And this uh, dates uh, January 21st. Uh, uh, Dancing on Ice in the UK. Uh, their experience, horror. Uh, Paranormal activity, haunted by a creepy presence, leaving audience goers in fear, according to reports. Uh, the show moved uh, to a base at uh, Bovendon, I feel, is that in Hemel Henstead? Mm-hmm. 
How bad was that? Not too bad. Oh, okay. Uh, which is filled with derelict buildings and has a number of... Wait a minute. I just heard a ding. Yeah, it's a spooky ding. That means an angel got its wings. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Every time you hear a bell ring, so did, you ever, did you ever see It's a Wonderful Life? I know, I know, but it was my daughter texting me. Well, it's not my fault. Anyway, uh, several... Cal this week. Yeah, I know it. Several, vis- several visitors to the area have been left terrified by a mysterious mist that follows and engulfs people. <laughs> okay. The area is also investigated by the International Paranormal Society. You know them? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, probably for the best. Who believe the place is haunted by the ghost of airmen who were stationed there? That's a good one. Uh, deduction. Uh-huh. The mist can be seen by several people, and then I have to go down a little bit. And it is said, uh, they say it suddenly appears, and it is so thick you can't see through it. One person is rumored to have seen a light on the runway at night. Uh, the insider continues that the mist even follows and engulfs a group of his friends. Some of the friends were waiting. And a car six meters away, which is uh, what, six, six yards. yards, six yards, and uh, it followed them, engulfing them. Oh my God! I must have heard, huh? Anyways, the 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 victim. Ooh, he was a victim. The victim found that he could not see through the mist to the car, or could not hear his companions calling out to him. He was a victim, I guess. In another incident, one driver saw another vehicle get engulfed in a mist. Dog walkers have also reported the presence that causes the animals to howl and run away. Other passerbys claim they hear the sounds of aircraft, moss code, along with a strange bubblegum smell. Ooh, sweet-smelling ghost. Uh, rumors uh, arrived that the U.S. Air Force had left vehicles abandoned in the underground chamber at the site. Those who work for the show now uh, fear that the paranormal incident incident could happen live while on the air. And inside it said, fear, they're hoping and praying. <laughs> it's likely that many contestants and professional skaters have no idea that they are performing somewhere that is rumored to be haunted. If these claims are believed, there's a good chance that something could happen during rehearsal or even on the show. Therefore, tune in and watch live. Do you know, this is uh, almost exactly one year ago and another British reality TV star, this time um, involving skis, uh, two of the British athletes um, starring in the reality show claimed that the sex ghost was haunting their hotel rooms. Excuse me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was a show- about that before. Yeah, this was a show called The Jump, and almost exactly a year ago, um, a piece appeared in a British newspaper yep. um, claiming that this, fat, this particular spectre was not only haunting... Um, the bedrooms of the celebrity contestants, but was actually physically interacting with them um, sexually. I had this story on the last one last year. Yeah, 
Yeah, and almost a year later. I'm still happening. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's one way to scare up publicity, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's every time. Every time we have a, like, a new series in Most Haunted, a new, you know, reality show. We've had these ghost scares with other reality shows as well, mm-hmm. and it. You look at it's in the trash media, you know, the sort of red top dailies, and uh, you can see, you know, this idea of it might, it might happen live. There's always a chance it happened on Most Haunted, didn't it? It may have. So many times, so many times. Uh, Never a week went by. I know, they were just so, so lucky to be in the right place at the right time. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's something, you know, this idea of cheap publicity. It, things appear in the paper, new locations appear in the paper, you know. They start off with, like, East Drive did, and this, the, the Britain's most haunted house up in Hull. Um, I think it's called the Demon House. They start off with an article in a newspaper where somebody makes a claim how terrified that they were and then the following week you can book tours you can you can go and investigate yourself after some legendary investigator has claimed to have got stunning evidence of a ghost captured on film mm-hmm. you know haunted haunted houses you know they they do it periodically even stately homes get down on the act pubs it's it's a good way of getting garnering publicity for your TV program for your business for your stately home um, it's exploitative journalism really or people exploiting the media in order to um, get some free publicity the sad thing is though it, it, it does tend to uh, demean what we do and you know the genuine cases that are out there yeah I, I agree with you and it shows like this then give it airtime. <laughs> right so we're, we're part of the problem, really. I think so. But anyway. Uh, okay, so that was intriguing. All of a sudden, my computer has frozen. I must have pissed off some spirits. Yeah. Can't call it my next article. Well, that's sad. Ah, here it comes. Uh, do we have time before the break? I guess we've got no cues. Oh, that's not the right article. Oh, my God. All right. I'm having problems here. And we do. Okay. All right. All right. Here's something that uh, I found interesting. Uh, Tests of the God Helmet at the Music Fest yield strange results. And you're familiar with the God Helmet? Steve? Rod? Am I alone? Okay. Yeah. All right. See what you can do with him. Anyways, uh, see, we've lost the, uh, Steve. Something went strange for a minute. I had problems with my computer freezing, and then the Steve just disappeared. I think that missed and gulped him. And, uh, uh, well, maybe we should call in someone to uh, investigate him. But anyways, um, there's this guard helmet, which is uh, – let me go into it. Uh, and – for those not familiar with it, the guard helmet was developed by inventor Stanley Karin and neuro- neuroscientist Michael Pessinger uh, to study the effects of mild electromagnetic st- magnetic stimulation on temporal lobes. They were especially uh, looking for signs of creativity, 
religious experience of the states and the feelings of the presence of God, hence the God helmet. Uh, sounds pretty much like uh, uh, LSD experience by somebody that I know. Anyways, uh, Pressinger claimed his goal was to test the various hypotheses about how the brain functions. He theorized that the left or the logical side of the brain is dominant, and that disturbing the communication between the sides uh, would allow the creative side to take over, and that disturbance might explain some of the spiritual and paranormal experience that, that people uh, occur. Uh, needless to say, the God Helmet and Pressinger's uh, experiments were controversial, and their results were distributed uh, disputed by the scientific and religious communities and the paranormal on top of it. Uh, boy, they made a lot of friends. To avoid that, Dutch scientists uh, from the University of Amsterdam decided to use a placebo god helmet. And for those who don't know what placebo means, it means fake. You know, so they, they give you pills sometimes, you know, uh, if you're in a study, you know, they have placebos and regular pills, so see if the drug works, if you get better use a placebo, that means it was really a mine, it did it not the pills because it was just like garbage. But anyways, so anyways, um, what they did is they uh, used a placebo guard helmet and looked for signs to identify what types of people might be susceptible to the powers of the guard helmet, real or placebo. Uh, the study was published by David Magier and Okay, and there we go. I don't want to go into fire it. Uh, as recent as uh, at the recent Lowlands three-day musical festival, and 193 volunteers wore a faux god helmet or a placebo god helmet while being blindfolded and listening to white noise and headphones. They were uh, instructed to click on the mouse uh, when having any kind of unusual experience. In the reviews afterwards, participants who uh, clicked on what they felt, they, uh, they were floating, they heard voices, they uh, saw visions, uh, as well as uh, having uh, sensations of itching and dizziness and hot palpitations. So uh, that's some of the stuff that uh, they felt. Anyways. So they looked at the, uh, the, the, the surveys that people took, and researchers found that people who said they were having spiritual, uh, that were spiritual believers, were more likely to experiences, have experiences with the God helmet. Uh, the big surprise was that alcohol had no effect on it. No matter how intoxicated the volunteer was, I wonder who's, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, participants who were, uh, they weren't afraid to uh, mix uh, alcohol in religion and uh, try to stay sober. There were other ones. So it didn't matter how much alcohol you had. It worked. Still, you had still the same experience. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. 
feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet and Pararex. Uh, we just lost my co-host, Steve Passage from the UK. Now, this is kind of funny because we were talking about uh, the uh, exorcist, the holy exorcist who was from the Church of Wales had just died. And now I guess that he is dead. Uh, demons are running rampant in Wales and uh, evidently they've got to Steve, so... Uh, it's a shame, but uh, we've lost it's him. Shame. No, I'm back. Oh, the demon! I just said that the uh, holy exorcist of Wales had died, and not that the demons were ru- were running rampant, and they got you. Yeah, we we've got some stormy weather over here, and I think something went out because the whole of the network just went down. Um, mm. Phones, internet, everything just went off simultaneously. Well, you just missed my whole little thing on the god helmet. Oh, well, never mind. I yeah. we made one once. Yeah, it's a guard helmet, and talked about uh, how alcohol has no effect on the religious experiences. Uh, they they took the guard helmet at a uh, music fest in Amsterdam, and uh, no matter how drunk the person was, it didn't affect their religious experiences. No, but in the replication study of the original one, I presume you've, you've given everybody the background to the guard helmet. Yes, yes. The, well, per Persinger sent one of his origi- one of his own um, helmets over to Uppsala University in Sweden, and um, their conclusions were somewhat different. They replicated the experiment that Persinger had originally done when he came up with the idea, yeah. um, and they. Their conclusions were that the people were affected more by suggestion um, and expectation than anything that the helmet was doing. Uh, so. 
it's it's become quite contentious uh, this idea that these electromagnetic fields in close proximity to the temporal lobes will cause people to have paranormal like experiences right. because all of that idea and and it, I mean that's the root of all the EMF meters. Um, this idea that electromagnetism is in some way linked to paranormal experiences. Um, yeah, and then... one of the uh, the uh, results of this particular study, which was uh, done for a three-day Lowland Musical Festival, they used uh, 193 volunteers. They used uh, placebo-guard helmets as well as the originals, and uh, so they had their little control there. But uh, they found out they had uh, the ones that did have experiences were were uh, floating, they heard voices, they saw visions, uh, they, there was even some itchiness, dizziness, and hot palpitations. But the survey that each person took, uh, they found that those that were spiritual believers were more likely to have an experience with the God helmet than those who did not, were not believers. So... I guess it's like somebody's throwing a lifeline to Persing. Do you know, actually, it's perfectly possible to... Uh, we, we actually made a God helmet a number of years ago for, mm-hmm. for an experiment that Anne and I wanted to do. So I built her a God helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, there's something that many, many people can relate to, um, probably from their, younger t- their, their sort of younger years, their teen years, uh, where they've had a God helmet-like uh, experience. Uh, lots of people, you know, wh- when they're a teen, will listen to you know uh, their favourite music over headphones, right. uh, whilst you know, whilst uh, in the you know lying on the bed or uh, doing schoolwork or mm-hmm. or coursework. And wearing headphones. Uh, what now? A lot of them, and I've asked. You know, it's only anecdotal, but I've asked a lot of people who all say. Um, or a lot of them said that they experienced a sense of whilst wearing headphones that somebody they, they may have their eyes closed or they may have been focusing on work, but they felt that somebody had walked up, walked into the room behind them, perhaps a parent, and that they sort of looked around or had, had the headphones off and turned to find out who was there and to find nobody there. And that would happen on you know, numerous occasions whenever they were isolated uh, by the music. Uh, now, obviously, they are isolated, but what's interesting is uh, when Persinger designed the God Helmet, the, uh, some of the impulses he used to get this um, rapidly changing electromagnetic field was, were, were effectively music files. Mm-hmm. Um, because a, head, a set of headphones is, after all, a pair of electromagnetic coils that then move the paper cones of the, or the plastic cones of the, spe- of the, uh, the speakers in the headphones. But they're placed almost right directly on top of the temporal lobes, which are just located just behind the ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in effect, when you're wearing headphones and you've got the volume cranked up, you are stimulating the temporal lobes. And that experience of a sense of presence was something that was found with the God Helmet, this idea that there was somebody standing close behind or had just walked up sort of close to you mm-hmm. so god helmet you could you know there's a lot of people have had similar god helmet type uh, experiences from simply playing music uh, loud through headphones mm-hmm. okay so just in case impressed. yeah so that uh we don't lose before we lose you again uh you've got your next story we'll let you bring that on uh, have you done the debunking one yet? No, not yet. 
Okay, well, I'll leave that one. Um, I'll come back to that one, because this week in the news, we've had the moment Poltergeist spooks ghost hunters by letting them know it's in the room. What? And, yeah. Um, this, this was... Uh, uh, where's the story? Because, obviously, everything's crashed, so... I'm going to refresh the page if it pops back up again. This appeared in the Daily Mirror this week, um, the video footage. The moment when a ghost hunter claims that he captured a poltergeist um, on camera. Uh, he said he caught the spooky footage at the notorious 30 East Drive, the house in Pontefract that's claimed to be the most haunted house in the UK. Ex-soldier Kyle Thompson said that the ghost knocked over a specialist piece of equipment when he asked it to play a game. And in the video that's on the page, um, you, can, you can Google this one. It's, uh, it's, it's been all over social media. It's been all over YouTube as well. In the video, you can see a group of investigators standing around and a circle um, on the floor. There is a circle, sort of a stonehenge made of ping pong balls. Yeah, what, what is that for before? I have no idea, but oh, I'm being... Propped up against the wall at a crazy angle to start off with is a K2 meter. Um, as, oh, uh, as, as the father of two asks the spirits to make itself known, the meter, which is stood up at the wall, uh, it says in the article that a 45 degree angle falls over. Um, Seriously? Yeah, it just that's, falls That's, it that's just, their evidence? Yeah, the the K2 fell over. Now, we all know the K2 has got a, a narrow bottom and a fat top on it. Exactly. It's shaped like a trapezoid. And in the video in the, in the video footage, you can see the thing is, isn't, is sort of leaning at an angle when they start. So there's a person standing about a foot and a half to one side of it. Um, and it's on the same, presumably the same piece of flooring that he is. Um, and a little bit of weight shifting and a little bit of, uh, yeah... The, uh, I don't know what the ping so, pong balls were, but they didn't uh, That's move. curious, yeah, the, the pen pong yeah, It says, yeah. in fact, it says in the article, the meter was placed at a 45-degree angle before appearing to fall on its side. Kyle believes it was the ghost showing he was in the room. But not uh, everyone is convinced, I'll, I'll say. Commenting on the clip, a person wrote, it just fell over before following up their message with a series of laughing emojis. Uh, so, uh, so at least one um, reader of the story um, feels somewhat the same as me. I believe so. Huh. so uh, yeah, that, that, that was doing the rounds this week in the UK. Okay, I just posted it on our page for you. Thank you, because my yes. internet's still a bit sluggish at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I did happen to see something on the, uh, the Facebook with Tensor talk about making the rounds, and that was about the uh, extreme ghost hunting. And uh, there was a lot of chit-chat about that, that people were all upset because people were calling extreme ghost hunting and this and that and that and that. It's like, uh, okay. And I noticed you commented on it as well. I, well, I quipped in with, um, you know, what grinds my gears, calling it, because there's, there's a, there are organizations, these paranormal investigation companies now that promote extreme ghost hunting. Now, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in a damp, dark, cold uh, place waiting for not very much to happen, I think that's fairly extreme. In its, you know, how extreme do you need? Yeah, I think that's extreme enough. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I Especially said. Especially hanging around some of the people we have to hang around with as well. Yeah, that's, that's what I, you know, you, you, you're up late at night, you're cold, you're miserable, you're wet through, you just want to be at home. That's a pretty st- extreme existence. You don't need anything more extreme than that, um, which was my comment. Um, but the original post, um, which came from our friends at Wexford Paranormal, was a comment on paranormal lockdowns, because that's the other thing that people promote, this idea of yeah. some... Now, I don't know of any, I, I, I'm not entirely certain, uh, but I'm not, not aware of any um, true lockdowns where people are literally, you know, sort of chained to the floor. Uh, that is kind of um, real legal, I believe. Uh, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it <laughs> should be. Health, health and sense, uh, safety would have a lot of problems with that. Actually, do you know what? I wouldn't be entirely surprised because there are, there are groups who are, who organise these sort of um, extreme moments within the investigation mm-hmm. event where they will take somebody and they will isolate them. Perhaps they'll lock them in a condemned cell, or they'll they'll. I, I'll wager that they probably have restrained people or blind. They've certainly blindfolded them. It's pretty much uh, illegal. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, what the purpose of blindfolding somebody in the darkened room with the lights out is, I've no well, idea. But it goes back to the uh, the guard helmet again. To yeah, but I mean, the rooms, you know, the, the rooms in pitch darkness, and then they go to the trouble of blindfolding. Never pitch black. Only place pitch black is the mines that you went to. That was very, very dark. Yes, uh, it's never no no dark. no no location is ever pitch black. I'm sorry. An interesting comment that, uh, that I always recall from that mine investigation from uh, two people of the team who were involved, and that included you know, several um, academic parapsychologists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, that two people uh, said in the, uh, afterwards, that it was so dark they didn't actually know whether their eyes were open or closed. Mm, that's intriguing. So they'd lost, actually, they'd lost any notion of what their eyes were doing. Um, that, that would be dark, I would say. We we thought, you know, what was in, most interesting about that is we hypothesized that in those conditions, people wouldn't last very long. They would get very, very spooked and very, very frightened. Mm-hmm. And almost the exact opposite occurred. There were two tunnels, one that was utterly dark, and there was another one several hundred yards away, um, where there was one single 60-watt light bulb. Uh, at the end of this 50-yard long tunnel. So it was, as you can imagine, it was a very dim point of light um, at the end of this tunnel. It was on an exit sign or over an exit sign. The people in that tunnel with this, that one pinprick of light were far more scared than those in the the tunnel of utter darkness. That goes and back we, to the old saying, your eyes play tricks on you. And that's, yeah, that's and when, when happens, we switched yeah. them around, when we yeah. switched the groups around, the the results were repeated. The group in the lit corridor with this tiny amount of light, just enough light to trigger the eyeballs and to allow the imagination to kick in, whereas the group in complete and utter darkness went into a state of you know, relaxation. It was like um, one of these nice sensory deprivation uh, tanks. Uh, they had a great time. So that surprised us because we, we hypothesized it would be the other way around. Hmm. Intriguing. So we got one more story that we want to bring up before uh, you lose or anything, and this is something we both picked. And uh, by the way, why do these all come from some UK rag paper? Uh, uh, because I'm in the UK, and yeah, you know, but I'm, even the ones I got from, from you the know, UK. I, so. 
when I knew you that you'd found, because you sent me some links over yesterday, um, yeah. that you'd found the UK one. So I spent two hours this morning looking for stories coming out of the USA, and I couldn't find anything. It's uh, strange. I guess it's, it's uh, well, whatever. You know, there, there, was, there was no new paranormal news this week, and I, I you know, I spent a good hour looking um for thing you so yeah, I couldn't find anything really I'll tell you what did surprise me as well the sheer amount of UFO and alien related stories that are doing the rounds yeah. now I, I didn't I was tempted but um, there were way 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 more than I expected in fact uh, nine out of every ten of the stories in the last uh, two months have been alien or UFO related yeah yeah I don't doubt that all right, so let's get on to this story, and this is uh, yeah. about one of the most, you know, famous pictures, uh, you know. Uh, yes. The Wem Town Hall Ghost. The, what's it called? Wem. 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 As, it's, as it's written, Wem. Wem-a. W-E-M. The girl, uh, let's see, the ghost of a girl is captured on a uh, 1922 postcard. Is that where this comes from? That's right. And, uh, wait a minute. Well, the building burnt down in 1985. Yes. Okay, I'll let you handle this one. Go ahead. Well, uh, the the original story that came out when this picture, I mean, it, it spectacularly hit the press in the mid-90s. Um, it was said that a photographer standing across the road from the burning building taking pictures of it, um, presumably for the news, um, captured... Um, a, a picture, a fa- an infamous, a famous picture showing a little girl standing, peering out from the building um, whilst it burns around her. Mm-hmm. Um, it was believed for a long time that he captured the ghost of a little girl who was um, pictured on a... On a the date there doesn't tell you in the newspaper article. But apparently ASAP, which is the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalies... Which you're a member of, right? which, uh, no, I'm not a member of, um, which is a paranormal education and research charity, and Parasearch um, got together with that, found the photo to be... They discovered in 2007 that this picture was a copy, um, and that it had been tampered with to make the girl appear as though she was inside a burning building. And the person, Andrew Homer, um, who is the resident chemist of the Black Country Living Museum and is part of that original team that helped to solve the uh, Wem Town Hall ghost photo. And incidentally, it's still being touted as an original, fo- as a genuine photograph, uh, periodically on social media. Um, but it's something that Andrew's been proud of, um, and it was not debunked until after the photographer had died in 2005. Well, that's the uh, thing I don't understand. If it was on a postcard, I mean, did he have the original picture? Well, that's what he talks about. Um, the when it, when the town hall bur- burnt, it was obviously a major um, event. The photographer, the photographer concerned, didn't want any money for the negative and he actually gave the negative to Andrew Homer um, he also gave him a photograph which he'd framed and uh, it's obviously a very nice picture uh, mm. uh, there's no there's no girl standing in the doorway, it's a photograph without the girl which he'd signed dated etc once uh, Andrew realised which where what the picture 
uh, was, he realised that the photographer uh, was giving him a clue. And that he'd, although he'd always made himself out to be an amateur photographer, um, the taker of the picture, who didn't really have much technical uh, background in photography, there was a little sticker on the back um, that basically said that um, the photograph uh, had been a sandwich copy and that the sticker on the back said that he was doing co- that this uh, supposed amateur um, had a phone number and was advertising that he would make copies of his pictures. So effectively, the photographer, uh, prior to passing, had given um, Andrew Homer the clue. He'd given him an original um, picture, the negative, and on the back of the picture, which um, hadn't been noticed at the time, was a sticker saying that, in fact, he wasn't uh, a raw amateur photographer. So... Um, but he, not, he, denied, he had, it to the, denied it to the very end. Well, he didn't reveal... The, the picture wasn't given to uh, to uh, Andrew until after the photographer had passed, out, passed on. So... Yeah, uh, the original photographer had left clues behind, but he himself never came forward and, and said anything. Um, and, I mean, that was 10 years ago. That was 2007. Um, although, as I said before, this picture still does um, make period. In fact, it was only recently going around uh, Facebook here in the UK, being touted as a genuine picture. Um, but I was wondering, when I, when I came across the article, um, you know, why, why 10 years later are we... Yeah, exactly. Story. And so you just go right the way down, and uh, Andrew, who's a, a, a member of uh, another reputable team called Parasearch, who are based in the West Midlands. Uh, are they reputable? And, uh, a team. Yes, they are. I wouldn't say they are if you weren't. Um, okay. And uh, it appears that Andrew has a, a, a book, a new book called Black Country Ghosts and Hauntings, which is a gazetteer of the region's paranormal. Now, if I'm... If I'm uh, um, I've, uh, if, I, if I'm aware of uh, previous books uh, by by Andrew, um, then this one will be worth buying. So uh, head on do, out. Do you know him personally? To buy it, I, I believe we've met. Um, I meet a lot of people, so I don't have any direct. But yes, we've been in the same place at the same time, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm almost certain that I've met Andrew. Whether he remembers me, uh, unfortunately, I don't actually remember. I think uh, uh, we should try to contact this guy, have him on the show, and, and get. Because I have a few questions about this. It, it just seems too, too neat. Oh well, it, it, I mean, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll try and get him on the show then. Um, but. In, the picture, the little girl, uh, has actually been traced uh, to another photograph. Um, I wish I had the details to hand, but she was she was in fact superimposed in to the picture. Um, and the when you look at the two images, the original of the little girl and the one of the burning town hall, you can see quite readily what they've done, um, what the photographer had done. But it, it passed scrutiny for a number of years. You know, as I say, from 19, the mid '90s to the mid 2000s, before it was debunked, and appeared in many journals, uh, magazines, television programs, as a genuine uh, and tested genuine uh, paranormal photograph. You know, it was it was ranked up there, you know, as one of the uh, prime examples of a genuine ghost caught on film. And Andrew did some sterling work, um, and the team from Parasearch 
um, in exposing you know, the story. But as it, as it turns out, the photographer himself, although he'd never admitted it, did um, leave some clues behind. But we'll try and get Andrew on an upcoming show, and we can we can revisit this story again, and we can also get him to talk about his book. I think that'll be quite interesting too. Yes, I, I think it would be too. I mean, it's just, uh, intriguing in itself. Uh, I, I looked up the uh, International Paranormal Society, and they. I believe they, I believe wasn't Derek Acora involved with it at some part. Uh, what are you talking about? The International Paranormal Society. Uh, no, they're they're in Minnesota. Ah, because there was um, a television series of that had a group, I think they were the International Paranormal Society as well, and that was a group, um, I think uh, there was a famous... There was the International movie. Ghost Society. Uh, that might be them. Um, but Derek Acora and a number, he was a UK one, there was a number, and they did things like the Queen Mary and other haunted things for a, t- for a short-lived TV uh, series. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, this is interesting because I said they're from Minnesota, but uh, their leader is Adrian Lee. He was born and raised in London. Uh, he studied history and history and methodology for his master's, and uh, he was head of several art and history departments, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, he was the founder of the International Paris Society and member of the Luxton Paris, Paris, Luxton, L-U-T-O-N, is that how you say it, Steve? Paranormal Society in England. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, interesting because he's from the from England, but he's also in Minnesota. I guess he lives in Minnesota now. Intriguing. Anyway, are you still there to that illusion? No, no, no. I'm um, giving you my undivided attention. Okay. I just was so quiet for a while there. Anyway, so we're running down out of time and. Uh, you actually have an interesting event coming up uh, this month, uh, next month, I believe. I believe I do. On February the 18th, um, an opportunity. Bali is, is probably the most famous haunted house in the world. Um, and uh, Unless you're claiming your house is the most haunted. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> tickets. Um, so... Curia, Curia, of Orga, uh, Curia have organised um, a live podcast event that's taking place on February the 18th, featuring uh, a series of live speakers, uh, some um, and maybe some other cool stuff. Cal, go away! Some other cool stuff. Not Cal, though. Um, the National and, Ghost Paranormal Society, they've been listening. That runs uh, on Sunday, the February the 18th, between 4pm and 9pm UK time, so subtract the five hours for Eastern time from that. Um, and you, if you're... What is it, 4pm? 4pm UK, so 11am so to 11am. 11am? Yeah, till, um, uh, what's, 4pm? Uh, 4 11 till 3 Interesting. Anyway, and, and you are one of the speakers in this. I'm uh, one of the speakers, along with Alan Murdy, who is uh, the chairman of the Ghost Club, um, CJ Roma from ASAP, and uh, soon to be Dr. Anne Winsper. Oh, 
really? Uh, We'll be presenting uh, different aspects of the case, uh, the controversy over Harry Price. Won't just be Borley, there'll be some other famous cases. We'll have some things, some artifacts with us. Um, There'll be a live audience. If you're in the UK... And they'll run you, won't they? Yeah, you can head down to Bristol. Um, on the on the 18th of February, there are tickets available. Head over to the Ghost Chronicles International Facebook page. Scroll down a little bit, you'll find the links. Uh, and of course, if you're anywhere else and you can't make it to Bristol, if you're in the UK or you're overseas, then follow the links to the live stream, uh, live stream podcast, and you can interact as well uh, with the podcast. Oh, really? And also shout abuse if you're in the audience. I was hoping about you'd say that. All right, so it sounds like a great time, and uh, we're down the last few seconds of the show. I am doing nothing, but I do want to mention that on uh, February 13th, 14th, and 15th, starting on Tuesday on this show, and then Wednesday night on Next Generation, and then finally ending on Marla Brooks' tour in the Qualdrum, we will be talking about ghostly romance. Oh. Three nights, you get four hosts, and you can't beat that. And so there's a tune, so we got to go. We want to thank everybody for listening us. And that's all the news you need to know right here from Ghost Chronicles International. And we'll be back next week. Keep those suggestions coming in. Same bad time, same bad station. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.